In the waning days of the legislative session, state lawmakers unanimously approved a bill designed to change how insurance companies pay for ambulance services, a change that ambulance providers say is necessary for their financial viability. For more on the issue, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Jeff Call, General Manager of Guilfoyle Ambulance Service in Watertown and the Chair of United New York Ambulance Network. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thank you. So generally speaking, how do ambulance services get paid when providing services to someone who has either private or government-run health insurance? Well, the different thing with ambulance services is that we have no idea. So you call 911 or you go to a hospital and you need to be transported. Um, The ambulance service that comes has absolutely no idea what you have for insurance. And we are technically, ethically, and morally required to transport you, treat you, and take care of you. So we really don't know. So after the fact, we would be provided with insurance information. And depending on whether you have Medicare, Medicaid, supplemental insurance, or private insurance, then our our companies would then bill for those services and be paid appropriately. And for a lot of people, when they are accessing medical care, they might not ever see a bill might go directly to their insurer. Is that the case for most ambulance providers? Do you deal directly with the insurers or are you interacting with the people who received that service or, or their survivors in some cases? It, it's some of both, David. Sometimes, um, sometimes we have accurate information from the hospitals and from the patients and we bill the insurance company. Our billing companies typically always send bills to the patient as well. So the patient is aware that we build their insurance company. Um, and then there's a process by which, you know, we may need new information from them or updated insurance information or maybe a signature to get, um, you know, the bill and a release of information form or something signed like that. So so it's a mix. But all most all billing companies and ambulance companies uh, use third party billing companies. And then those billing companies send the bill and the EOBs and stuff to the patient as well as the insurance company. And the legislation that was approved, as I mentioned, unanimously this year, how would that change the process for getting paid for the services you provide to people who have private insurance? So so currently, very few ambulance companies have what they call in-network agreements with insurance companies. Um, obviously, with Medicare and Medicaid, you're required to participate because they're government-based. Um, but we don't, most ambulance companies don't have contracts because... The ambulance company, you know, needs a certain rate in order to survive and to cover the cost of, of, we call it the cost of readiness. It's not the cost of what it takes me to come save your life and leave or come transport you and leave. It's the cost of the ambulance sitting there the other four hours waiting for you to call 911. So we call it the cost of readiness. And, and we have an idea of what it costs to keep an ambulance in service 24 hours a day, seven days a week to cover the call volume um, based on uh, the utilization of the ambulances in the region. And so we have a we have a target number that we need to break even. And so um, if you don't have an in-network agreement with uh, an insurance company, then we would bill them what we call usual and customary rates. There's a there's a rate that most ambulances stay below. Um, there are a handful that probably go above. Um, and what happens is then the insurance company sends the check to if you are providing an in-network with them, they send it to us and that covers your bill. If we're out of network, which in most cases ambulances are, then they typically send the check to the customer or the patient. Um, and that's what this bill would eliminate. It would it would force private insurance companies to send those checks to us directly 
versus sending them to the patient, whether we have a in-network agreement with them or not. Under the current dynamic where someone is essentially getting a check from their insurer and then paying the ambulance provider, are the people who are essentially the middlemen in this process, are they having to dig into their own pockets as well? Or are those checks that they're receiving from the insurance companies covering the costs that uh, the ambulance providers are looking to bill? Um, in most cases, the EOBs that we see come through our billing company is um, the insurance companies are selling, sending them 100% of what we've billed. In some cases, it's 80 or 90%, but in, in most cases, the, the checks we're seeing going out to the patients are what our bill would be. Um, so that money would, if we got it, cover the cost of their bill. So then your legislation would essentially, what, cut out the middleman in the billing process, essentially the consumer? Right. So basically what it would do is we'd send the bill to the insurance company. The insurance company would send us the check, um, and uh, that way we would be paid. Um, Because a lot of people, unfortunately, get that check, and they see it, um, and they have no real requirement to pay their ambulance bill because... If I call 911 today and then I cash the check and don't pay my ambulance bill, if I call 911 tomorrow, it's not like the ambulance company has the right to say, well, we're not going to pick you up because you didn't pay your bill yesterday. Um, We still are going to show up. We're going to transport the patient to the hospital and treat them the same as if they owed us no money. Um, And in some cases, we have patients just in my company alone, which is a, a relatively small ambulance company in upstate New York. Um, we have some patients that owe us $40,000 in ambulance bills. And if they call 911 today, the ambulance is going to show up. They're going to treat them appropriately. They're going to transport to the hospital and they're going to move on. So, um, you know, we have no way to regulate or, or we can send them to collections in some cases. We can uh, attempt to recover that money from them, but they, they don't have to pay their bill. There is, there is no process in place by which we can change the service they provide. Well, if this legislation was to become law, would it serve as a disincentive for ambulance providers to try to proactively work with insurance companies to set up those preferred provider contracts, which, as you mentioned, don't necessarily cover the full cost of doing business? Um, I I think the insurance industry says no, but I think just the opposite. Um, You know, when we're talking this, I mean, my company we lose about $100,000 a year in checks that get issued to the customer that never get passed on to us. Um, statewide, um, you're talking probably well well north of six or seven million dollars of money that's being cashed by the, the patient um, and not turned over to the ambulance companies. Um, so our EMS system as a whole statewide could could really benefit from them dollars. The dollars are being paid by the insurance companies. Obviously, they're paying the checks. They're just sending them to the customer. So if we could get that money back into the EMS systems, um, you know, and and if we had that, if I had another $100,000 a year in revenue uh, that I would be receiving from these customers, I would actually be in a better position as a commercial ambulance to sit with my commercial providers and say, okay, I'm in a good position financially, you know, I can accept 250% of Medicare or, um, but when I'm, when I'm not getting that hundred thousand, I, I am forced to bill 
a generally a slightly higher rate all the way across the board because I'm making up for all the money I'm losing. So, and like I said, these checks are being caught. It's not like this money is, is not being given out. It's being sent to the customers. And David, here's the concern I have. We have customers who call the ambulance every 13 days um, because they know it takes nine days or 14 days to get a check. We have people living off private insurance companies. Their rent is due on the first, so they have to call the ambulance by the eighth of this month in order for that check to turn around and come back to them before the first of next month. The system is being abused. Well, would you be okay with a direct pay system in which the ambulance providers were paid whatever the rates were that the insurance companies had negotiated with some of their preferred providers, which would likely result in ambulance services getting less than what they think they probably should be getting? Um, we have actively negotiated or attempted to negotiate for several years with insurance companies on where we settle. Um, and they typically are well below the cost of doing an ambulance call, not the cost of readiness. They're well below the cost of just providing an ambulance call. Um, I can tell you that Medicare pays significantly less than cost. Medicaid pays significantly less than cost. And private insurances typically want to negotiate rates that are similar to Medicare and Medicaid, um, maybe 125% of Medicare and Medicaid, which is still less than the cost of doing business. So are we willing to negotiate? Absolutely. Um, but it's got to be a number that is is fair and it covers the cost. Well, in terms of that number, when there isn't a contract between an insurer and an ambulance provider, this legislation says that the rate would be based on what is the quote unquote usual and customary charge. So who should define what that is? Is it the ambulance provider who calculates what their business expenses are, or should it be the health insurance company and what they typically like to pay out with their preferred contracts? Um, I believe it should be a discussion with both parties. Um, and in the bill, it actually says that uh, in the in the direct pay bill, it says that there will be discussion between both parties to work those numbers out. But it's got to be a number that it, at a bare minimum covers the cost of that ambulance being there. Um, if there's no other revenue, I mean, and this just isn't commercial ambulance service. This is not for profit ambulance services, too. There, there are a lot of ambulances in this state. Um, you know, I represent 44 ambulances throughout the state. We probably are responsible for 60 to 70 percent of the call volume in the state of New York. Um, but the rest of that call volume is is being covered by not for profit ambulance services, which some of them belong to our, our group as well. Um, but those not-for-profits are being funded with tax money. So if they could get all of their reimbursement from private insurance, then there's a good possibility that that could either offer better services or, you know, with the extra money or possibly have a, an impact on the money that they have to spend out of local tax dollars because they'd have more revenue from the insurance companies. Um, but right now, again, the money is being spent. It's just not getting to the EMS system. It's it's sitting in the customer's hands. Although what you said is in some cases, though, the money that's being spent is 80 to 90 percent of what you're looking to get billed, right? Correct. It's still less than what the cost of the ambulance service is, correct. And finally, if this 
doesn't get adopted, what does that mean for ambulance providers around New York? Do they just have to find a new way to make the finances work or are some of them going to go out of business? Um, well, we've lost quite a few actually in the last several years because of the reimbursement. Um, and it isn't just about going out of business. Uh, you know, if you look at why people don't want to be in EMS, it's because they don't pay high rates. They don't offer good um, retirement plans. They don't offer good insurance. And why do they not do all those things? Um, because they don't have the budget to, because they physically cannot do it because the, their numbers are just upside down and they're doing the best they can to get the services they can. But every day you hear about lawsuits, about response times, about areas that don't have any coverage and they're forcing ambulance companies to, to do better coverage. And the end result is at the end of the day, if an ambulance service, commercial or not-for-profit, cannot stay in business, then that will that will fall back on the government to say, what is the government going to do about this? So it, at the end of the day, that money is just going to be pulled out of the taxpayers' funds to fund some kind of an ambulance service. Right now, the vast majority of major cities in this company are covered by commercial ambulance services who have retirement plans and health insurance and they pay taxes they're 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 on you know they pay property tax they pay sales tax um they're businesses in the state of new york it, onion members as a whole if we all grouped our relationships together are probably one of the largest employers in the state of new york with 40 some ambulance companies you could have anywhere from 100 employees to 3,000 employees working for different companies. So, I mean, we are a business and um, it's not a huge money-making business, especially with the reimbursement models that we have. And all we're asking for, and obviously the Senate and the, the Assembly agreed with us if we had both houses pass this bill unanimously. Um, and they both understand that the money is already being paid. Um, so let's put it into EMS and then let's reevaluate what we really need to cover the cost of doing business. And then we can sit down with the insurance industry and say, you know, 250% of Medicare is the number we need or 300% of Medicare or 195% of Medicare. But as long as we're not getting all of these millions of dollars into the EMS system, then we have to work with what we're getting and then hope to God we can make it work. But our staffing, you ask any ambulance company in the state of New York, David, what their biggest problem is right now in staffing. It's recruitment and retention of EMTs and paramedics that want to do this job for um, less than the wages they deserve. And, and one of the ways that this reimbursement model, I mean, imagine if we could, if I could put $100,000 into my company's income every year, I can use that money to offer better benefits or offer better wages, recruit and retain better people, offer better training. This is the problem around the state of New York. We don't have enough people coming into this industry because we don't pay a high enough wage. We can't pay high enough wages because we don't have the money because our reimbursement model is just not acceptable. And it's got to change. And it starts with getting the money that's already being put into the system. The legislation, I believe, wouldn't take effect until 2025 if enacted. Is that too long of a window to make a difference for your providers? Or is there a reason why you think that sort of year, year and a half phase and makes sense? Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, there are companies that need the money now. They need the reimbursement now, the higher reimbursement rates and, and getting the money that's out there. 
Um, but uh, it is how the bill got drafted and passed. And our industry will have to work with that. And uh, we will support each other and try to get as many companies that are struggling this year and into next year um, through this, this process. And maybe it's the knowing that it's going to come and it's going to change is going to help some people um, recruit and retain people and look at the future. Um, but we've been we've been pushing this for um, I would dare to say close to 20 years. This bill has gone in and out. We've tried direct pay. We tried dual signature checks where the patient had to sign it and the ambulance company had to sign it in order to cash it. Hmm. Um, we've tried lots of different options to get more money. Um, to us that's not getting to us from the private insurers. And this is the first time that we've managed to get not one, but both houses to agree with us that this is something that EMS needs, which is this influx of money. Well, we've been speaking with Jeffrey Call. He's the general manager of Guilfoyle Ambulance Service in Watertown and chair of the United New York Ambulance Network. Jeff, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capitol Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.